I've spent some time the last three and four weeks here talking about the grace of God and how it is greater. We've talked about the grace of God being greater than our secrets. I may know that we all got our secrets, but God's grace is greater than our secrets. Talked about how grace is greater in its power and its application, how God applies it to our life. We talked about how grace is greater than what we feel. How many know we need the grace of God to overcome some feelings? We talked about the grace of God uh, overcoming or uh, being greater than our insecurities. We have really dived into what the power of God's grace can do. And I've, I've kind of saved, in my opinion, the best for last. Because I want to talk to you today about how the grace of God is greater in its ability to instruct our lives. God's grace is greater in its ability to instruct you. That means God ain't done with you after he saved you. That means he saved you and now he plans to keep you. That's the grace of God. And I don't know about you, but I take great I have great hope and I take great pride in the fact that my God wants me. He loves me and wants me. And I don't know about you, but I like to be wanted. I hope I'm not the only selfish person in the house. But I certainly like it when God wants me. I don't want God just to need me. I want Him to want me. And I reciprocate the relationship with Him and say, God, not only do I need you, but I also want you too, God. That's the beautiful grace of God. And you come to this realization when the grace of God has been applied. And we've talked about its application. And we've talked about how it overcomes our secrets. And, and how the power of God and the grace of God cleanses our life. And changes the course of our destiny. Changes the course of our life forever. But today I want to talk to you about how grace shapes you. How the fingers of God are intertwined now in your heart and life. And God is now forming you and shaping you. And by the grace of God, He is smoothing over your rough edges. He's pulling out all the bad things and putting in all the good things. The grace of God is an instructor. An instructor of wisdom and righteousness and devotion to God. That word instruct, I, I, I stopped on purpose to show you that word instruction. That word instruction, the word in the Greek is paiduo. It literally means to train up a child. That's what it means. So Paul says, the grace of God has appeared to all men and giving salvation to all. And now it instructs us. It trains us up. It brings us up. It's like a parent who has a child. They don't just give birth to the child and say, okay, let's see how you do. Go on out there in the real world, get a job, take care of yourself. 
parent doesn't do that. When a parent has a child, takes the child home, he, he, they nurse the child, they, they, uh, they train the child, they do all kinds of things with the child, they teach the child how to walk and how to run and how to play sports, how to play games and how to read and how to write. And These things come through time, but they still come to the child's life because the parents love the child. And that process is what God says about grace. That he is instructing you on how to walk where you shouldn't walk. On how to live in his glory. On how to live and be in his presence. He's instructing you. Teaching you how to live. This means that the grace of God is patient. Aren't you glad about that? You better say amen. Because if you don't, you're going to find that patience. I promise you. Amen. His grace is patient. I'm telling you what, I'm so glad it's patient. I got a lot of rough edges. I don't know about you, but I need a whole lot of water on the hands of the potter to take care of this rough clay. Amen. He needs to, he really needs to moisten this up. I got some hard spots that he's got to get out of me. And I know I'm not the only one. I'm preaching to the choir in this place. I know you got rough spots too. Amen. You're not a, you don't, your halo tips over like mine does, just like everyone else. Everyone in this place needs the patience that God's grace gives. And that's the beautiful thing. A parent trains a child, and that child is trained with the patient, loving affection of the parent. The parent is excited to say, come on, you can do it, baby. Come on, walk over to me. Right? The parent's excited about that. And when that child takes a stumbling step, they're like, oh, oh, you did it. Oh, you did it. Right? That first step, it's on Facebook. It's on Twitter. It's on YouTube. It's all over social media. Why? Because that child stumbled right but there's a joy in the patient and the patience of that parent saying that was one step but tomorrow it's two and the next day you're going to be running the halls and I'll have to keep up with you that's the instruction of God that God's grace is greater in its ability to instruct you that simply means that God's grace is patient with you to train you that means you don't have to be perfect once you come out that means when God saved you, he knew you were a fixer-upper. He knew you were broken. He knew he'd have to dust you off. He knew that you would try to run and fall, and you would try to do things for God and fail, and he knew that you would try and not succeed, but God said, that's all right. My grace covers you, and it's patient. It means that grace is gentle as well. I like that about God, that God's grace is gentle. I need it gentle sometimes. Sometimes I need God to wrap his arms around me and say, it's okay. You messed up, but it's okay. I love you still. And sometimes I need God to kick me in the seat of the pants. And that's what this word Paideo means, it means it's not only just gentle, not only is it patient, but it will also bring the chastisement that is needed. 
Now, this is an area of grace we don't like to talk about. But the grace of God allows God the opportunity to kick you if you need to be kicked. <laughs> God, please help him see I wasn't trying to make fun, right? <laughs> God sometimes has to, has to jog us up, has to get our attention, and so he will, he will do what's necessary to chastise us so that he can get our attention. What that means to me is that the grace of God puts up with me. When I make a mistake, God loves me so much that he will not leave me like that. He steps into my life, and if I need a whoop, and he whoops me. If I need a gentle hug, he gives it to me. What I'm in need of, God gives that to me because the grace of God allows him to do that. The grace of God instructs my life, shapes me and molds me and instructs me. And if we can't learn the easy way, grace will teach you the hard way. Any hard way learners in the house? I don't think I know how to learn easy. Amen. The grace of God teaches, teaches followers of God to step out of the law and come into relationship. The law of God is all about what you do. This do A, B, C, and D, you get this. But the grace of God says, come to Jesus, and you just get it. That's the grace of God. And grace brings people into relationship with God. And the difference between it is like the difference between an employer and a husband and wife. I have commitments to my employer, right? That's like the law of God. I've got a commitment. The law of God says i got to do this, this, and this. That's my commitment. That's my commitment to get my paycheck at the end of the week. That's a commitment. But when you get into the New Testament, you get the grace of God. You have the new covenant. The new covenant, the grace of God, is like the relationship of a husband and wife. It's not like the commitment of the, of the Old Testament that gets you A, B, C, and D to get to E. No, you come to Jesus and you just get it. He gives it as a free gift to you because he loves you it's a relationship it totally changes the whole uh, parameter uh, of serving God you know the Bible talks about how Jesus Jesus even taught this he took the law of God and he expressed it in relationship form he said you have heard it said you heard about this you heard it said that that you should not, that you should, you, if a man sleeps with another woman and a married person, they, they commit adultery. Jesus said, I tell you this. If you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery. What did he do there? He made it relationship. He made it a heart deal and not a, not a doing thing. It became a heart deal there. Jesus on revenge, he said, you've heard it say an eye for an eye. And Jesus said, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to him the other. Now, I know we run out of cheeks, but I think Jesus is playing there. He don't want you to do it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You see, today, the teachers of grace today, they're, they've, they've become popular because they've been, 
preaching that grace has no obligations. And that is a lie. The grace of God is all about obligation. God wants you to live a godly life. And the grace of God gives you the access to do just that. You could not live a godly life without the grace of God. The problem, uh, the problem with the grace teachers of today is that it's more just about forgiveness from sin. And, it's, and the grace of God is being taught today that grace is tolerant of all kinds of sin. Grace is just tolerant. It does, grace doesn't care if you sin. That's not true. Grace does care if you sin. The grace of God is all about you not, in, not having, not, not, let me say what I said, that you don't have to sin. That's the grace of God. But today, we, there's a teaching today that, that totally bypasses the relationship factor and puts all of the responsibility on God and no responsibility on the believer. And the believer has simply got to say, it doesn't matter, God doesn't care, I can live like the devil all week long and it doesn't matter. Let me tell you that is not true. The grace of God is an instructor. Paideo, he comes to teach you. It is a teaching thing. God wants to train you how to live in his kingdom. I remember when I was, <clears throat> before I got saved, I, um, I've told this story before, and if you've heard it before, you can, you know, go to Facebook for just a few minutes. And, uh, but, uh, when I was a young uh, 16 years old, a, a girl that I had dated in high school, we had broken up, but I was working, and she, she came, and she dropped a Bible in front of me and landed there, and she goes, Bruce, you need to get saved. Well, you know, I dated her two weeks ago, and, and so in my mind, I go, she must have just got saved because she wasn't saved two weeks ago, and so so I... So I go, when did you get saved? And she told me, I've been saved for five years. And I go, you've been saved for five years? How in the world have you been saved for five years? I go, you can't be saved. She goes, I am saved. I go, that don't make no sense. I said, you're going to hell just like I'm going to hell. I had a grandma that at least preached me. It taught me truth, you know. So, I mean, I knew right from wrong. And I looked at her and I said, you're not, no, that isn't right. And she's tried to debate me that the grace of God covers her future, past, present, and future sins. And she doesn't have to live right. She could do whatever she wants, and she's still going to heaven. That's what she was trying to teach me. And I looked at her, and I said, listen, lady. I said, I ain't got time to debate with you right now, but I'll meet you tomorrow. And I'll debate with you right here in this parking lot. And I called my grandma that night, and I said, I need some scriptures, Graham. Give me some scriptures. And grandma gave me some scriptures. And, and guess what grandma did? She said, you go and read them. The worst thing you can do as a sinner is read the Bible with a heart to understand it. Oh, you're in trouble. She gave me Romans 6. How shall we continue in sin? That one kept me up at night. It I was in fear that I was going to die and go to hell. Oh, my gosh. I thought the rapture was going to happen every time I left the house. Mama's going to heaven. I ain't going. I'm going to go to hell. I mean, constantly battling my mind. 
I went and debated her. I, got, I was loaded down with scriptures. Grandma drugged me to Sunday school all the time. That was the only drug problem I had as a child. She drugged me everywhere. And uh, grandmother put the Bible in me, pumped it in me, helped me memorize scripture. I mean, she was all on me about that. And, I re- and when I went to debate her, we were talking about the Bible, and the Holy Spirit opened up in my mind everything that I rem- from Sunday school that grandma taught me, all these things opened up in my mind, and I preached myself under conviction. And that was the start of how I got saved. Because a young lady dropped a Bible in front of me and told me she was going to heaven. And I said, how come you get to go and I don't? You live and act just like me. And you get to go and I don't? Does that make any sense? Is what I said. The grace of God instructs us to live a separated life. A life that belongs to God. Grace is not tolerant of sin. Grace is the antidote to sin. Grace liberates people from sin. Liberates people from sin. You've been liberated if Jesus is in your heart and life. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You are free to live in God's kingdom because God has set you free. It's like a man who's been in prison for, for so long, and, and the grace of God comes by and flings the door open and says, hey, you're free. But the man says, yeah, I don't think I want to get out. I think I'm going to stay right here. That don't make no sense. That's not how this works. The grace of God opens the door and bids you to come out. It's like a doctor saying, you've been drinking poison. Here's the antidote. So quit drinking the poison. You go home and don't take the antidote and drink the poison. Doesn't make any sense. Let me read to you this scripture. I'm not going to read. I'm going to tell you what Watchman Nee says. This is what Watchman Nee said. He said, let me tell you. You have died. You are done with. You are ruled out. The self you loathe is on the cross of Christ and he, and he that is dead is freed from sin. And I'm telling you that the grace of God instructs you to come out and belong to God. Now, I just want to give you three quick things, and then I'm done, and I'll let you go, and, and we'll come to the altars and enjoy some time with Jesus. But the grace of God is greater in its instruction of self Sacrifice. The grace of God will instruct your life to sacrifice of yourself. This is not popular preaching today because today we want to come in and we want to hear the cotton candy message. We want to hear the message that makes us feel good. But can I tell you that if you want to feel good in the kingdom of God, you will lay down your life for him. That the greatest among us are the people who say yes to Jesus and no to the world? That's not popular preaching because what we want to do is be in the world and of the world and have a little bit of Jesus and throw him kind of in the pot and mix him up in the pot and say we feel good about ourselves because we have a little bit of we have a little bit of religion with us. But can I tell you that God wants to be all you are? 
wants to consume the pot. He wants every part of you. And, and so he calls to you to come out from among them. It was in Romans 12, 1 through 2. I've got the scripture here. I want to read it to you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Offer God your life. There's nothing wrong with you saying, Lord, here I am. Take me, all of me. I'm yours. All of me, my hands, my feet, my heart, my mind, my eyes, all that I am, God. I give it to you. I lay my life down that you might have me. Can I tell you, he is worthy of you. He is worthy of you. Now here's the key. And be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed. By the renewing of your mind. How does that transformation come? It is by the grace of God. God's grace has given us the ability to be transformed. That ye may prove what is that good. Can I say that when God comes into your life and transforms your life. You are the proof that God is still alive. I could tell you Jesus is alive. He changed my life. You can't tell me he ain't alive. I know he's alive. There's no way I could be where I am today if Jesus wasn't alive. I remember one time my grandmother was, uh, she just got saved. She got filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and a, a person come knocking on the door and, and said, hey, you know, I want to talk to you about Jesus. She said, come on in. He's my best friend. Let's talk about him. And so they sat down and began to talk about Jesus. And my grandmother said, oh, at church just the other day, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And oh, it was so good. And the man in, sitting there said, oh, the Holy Ghost isn't real. My grandmother stopped the conversation and said, you're too late. I've already got him, and you can't tell me he ain't real. I just, I've just been with him. You can't tell me he's not real. I'm telling you, I know there's proof because of what he's done in my life. Is there proof in your life? I said, is there proof in your life? Is there something inside of you that says, I can prove that Jesus is alive because I used to be over here, but now I'm over here. I once was lost, but now I am found. That's what the grace of God does. It teaches us. It instructs our lives. It calls us to sacrifice of ourselves to prove who God is and, and acceptable in the perfect will of God. In other words, grace teaches us to please God. Think about that. Grace teaches you to please Him. God, what can I do to make you happy? Have you thought about that? Is that your heart's desire? Let that sink deeper than just your mind. Let it go into your soul and in your heart. God, what can I do to make you happy? What can I do for you 
You know, and, 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 and don't get me wrong, God is good about taking care of us. And I know he wants to take care of us. And, but I'll tell you, sometimes that seems like it's, that's what it's all about is, is God taking care of us. But, but church, this is when we become mature in Christ. Is when we're trying to take care of the things that God wants us to take care of. That's when God is really moving in your life. And it's no longer about bless me, bless me. It's like, Lord, how can I bless you? That's when you've grown up. That's when your kids take out the trash. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? You know how you yell at that child, hey, hey, take out the trash. Why? Because they've learned how to walk. They know how to walk. They got arms. They know how to take it out. We've gotten advanced. Do the dishes. We've even gotten better. Mop that floor. Cut that grass. Make me happy. Amen. <laughs> Oh, the Lord is good. <laughs> That's the point, though. The grace of God teaches you to please him. It teaches us. Can, can I put that, put that verse up again? Verse, verse, it's, the grace of God teaches us to turn from sin. Go to the next one, sis. The next one. Okay, to turn, turning from sin. But go to the, go to the verse. I want to go to the verse. This is my second point. I didn't put it in there. There's another verse in there. It's, or go back, go to Titus 2, 11 and 12. Thank you. There it is right there. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed, paideo, that's that word, to train, to develop, to, to chastise, or to, to gently instruct, to churn from godless living and sinful pleasures. Turn. from it. Don't run to it. Turn from it. Get away from it. Avoid it. Doesn't the Bible say avoid the very appearance of evil? Avoid it. Turn from it. And when it presents itself, and you know you live in the world just like I live in the world, there is all kinds of advertisements of the world. All kinds of it. And you, can, you can't watch TV too long without its advertisements. You can't even drive down the road without its advertisements. You can't live in this world without seeing the sinful nature of this world and the godless living. And you and I should be able to see it and have this desire that in our heart to say, God, I don't want that. I want to please you. I want to please you. That's the grace of God. It instructs us to turn from sin. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not old-fashioned preaching. That's the only type of preaching. That's it. Come out from among them. Be separate, saith the Lord. Belong to God. Be His. Be His. It teaches us to turn from the sinful pleasures. Sin that separates a person from God. Turn from that. A life that doesn't resemble God. Turn from that. That's what it means. That word godless living. 
It means to turn from something that wouldn't represent God, that would do harm to the kingdom of God, that might bring a stain on the name of God. Turn from it. The grace of God instructs us to do so. It's been revealed to all men and teaches us, instructs our lives to turn from these things. The power of the grace of God divides in our heart evil from righteousness. When you got saved, you learned real quick, there's a right and there's a wrong. The Bible says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder. It divides. What is it dividing? It's separating you from the world. It divides you. It pulls you out. How many have been pulled out? How many have been changed in your mind? How many feel the transformation in your heart and life? You're not the same person you used to be. You've, there's something that's happened in your life. God has divided you, and that's what, I, that's what the grace of God does. It pulls you out and says, this is not who you are anymore. This is who you are now. And it teaches us godless, godly living. To live a godly life. And I'm not talking about a dress code. A Holy Ghost beehive hairdo. Dresses down to your ankles and all kinds of weird stuff in the name of Christianity. I'm none of that. I'm talking about living godly. About a person who wants to love God. You see, we, we always talk about God's love for us, but let's talk about our love for Him. I love Him. I love Him. Do you love Him? And because you love Him, it's okay to say, I love Him so much, I don't want to offend Him. That is okay. And so the grace of God teaches us godly living you know, it's, it's, it's like a husband and wife. A husband and wife, they don't want to offend the relationship. That's why they don't go on more dates with other people. Flirting with other people. Because they love each other and that love is, is together. Can I tell you, God don't want you cheating on him. I don't know, I don't know where that came from, but it was for free, Amen. And the grace of God teaches us how to live godly lives. This is what I like about God's grace. It teaches you how to live in his presence. That's what I like. It teaches me praise. His grace. You, I remember when I wasn't saved, I watched grandma like get all excited, you know. And, and I thought grandma was a weirdo. You know, lost it. And... She would be swaying and dancing and, and crying. And, and, and when grandma really got going, she'd follow this arm, you know, just. That's what grandma, she'd get excited in church. And, and people were just going, I mean, grandma was one of them crazies. I would watch everybody else praise God. And I'd look around going, this place is all messed up. Something's wrong up in here. Amen. Until I got saved. And then the grace of God, when they started singing, I know it was the blood. 
something inside of me said, oh, that is sweet. Mm, I feel that. I know it was the blood. Well, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood for me. Mm, my hands go. One day when I was alone, I know it was the blood for me. The grace of God pulled me into a place of praise. It released me to worship. It released me to be in His presence. Oh, I love the grace of God. It teaches us about giving. We don't like to talk about giving. Giving is important in the kingdom of God. My pastor used to say, you know what a person loves by looking at their checkbook. Should I preach on tithe for an hour? Should I preach on offerings? Should I preach on supporting the vision of God? Because that's what giving is all about. Giving is all about you saying, Lord, this isn't mine. It belongs to you. And grace teaches you that. I am a steward of everything I have. My house is not my house. It's his house. He gave it to me. And when grace comes in your life, you realize that the job you have didn't come from just your abilities. It come because God was favored on you and he let you have a good job. You learn this through the grace of God. The grace of God teaches you about giving of yourself, sacrificing of yourself. It teaches you faithfulness. Can't keep people out of church that got the grace of God applied to their life. They're a bunch of church junkies. They've got to be in the house of God. Teaches about commitment in difficult times. I'll tell you what, the grace of God will teach you how to hold on. It'll teach you how to hold on. You'll tie a, ro- tie a knot on the end of the rope and you'll swing through that storm and say, Lord, thank you for the, for the knot. The grace of God will teach you how to do that. The grace of God teaches us. It teaches us how to live godly. It teaches us order. I don't have time to preach this, but I want you to just put this in your mind that there is an order to the moving of the presence of God. And the grace of God teaches you these things. You learn that God awakens your mind to these things. And and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We are instructed we turn from that. And what are we turning towards? We're turning towards righteousness. And so that's the next thing I want to bring out. And then I'm done. The grace of God instructs us by making us aware of evil. When you were enslaved to sin, you were just okay. That's life. This is how it is. I got to go and and get drunk tonight so I could feel better about my day. Wake up with a hangover and take some pills and go to work. Be depressed all day long. I got to find some other way to make myself feel better about myself. I got to go sit on the psychiatrist's couch, lay down, and let him tell me it was my mama's fault. 
and hear that for a little while so I could feel better about myself. But the truth is, is you couldn't fix you and you knew it. Do you still know it? That you can't fix you. That you need the grace of God to fix you. And the grace of God awakens your mind to righteousness. But it also awakens your mind to what is evil. And you start seeing things differently. Things change. You're even careful what you watch, what you listen to, how you dress. I mean, you're, you're careful about all kinds of things because you're aware now that there is evil all over the place. Mama and I are still paranoid about our kids being out alone. We don't like our kids to be at the park roaming around, especially by themselves. I have this saying, I say, you're not allowed to go pet anyone's puppy dog. You're not allowed to go take candy. And if there's a van, just run. Just run. And what I'm trying to do is teach them to churn from the evil that could be there. What I'm trying to do is to show them what evil might look like. Because evil may show up in the form of a well-dressed, handsome man saying, oh, I got some puppies over here in my van. You want to come pet them? Okay. But in their mind, they've heard daddy say, don't go pet nobody's puppies. Right? And so they can interpret that by saying, this guy ain't right. He wants me to go to his van and see some puppies. This don't sound right. Something's fishy up in here. They got enough knowledge in their mind to know what is not right. And I'm telling you that the grace of God is the knowledge of what is not right so you don't fall into the traps of sin. Titus 2.12, I have, I have that verse, right? Titus 2.12. And we are instructed church from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world. We should live in this evil world with wisdom. Notice that Paul says it's an evil world. The grace of God helps us to see that the world around us is evil. That there's something satanic brewing underneath the scenes of the world. And you and I have been brought out. Why do you think the world constantly points at us and says we're a problem? We are a problem to them. We are a light that cannot be hid. And that's a problem for people who want to live in the dark. The day is evil. But we are to stand with godly wisdom and righteousness and devotion to God. You see, the process of grace instructing us is its ability to shape what we have an appetite for. The grace of God shapes your appetite. Isn't it? Who said that? You are, amen, preach for me. It is a miracle. Think about it. When you got saved, all of a sudden you have this hunger and thirsting for more of God. And you wanted to do nothing but please him. And you pushed everything else aside. And you were crazy. Your family went, you're going too far. You're going too far. You're all religious. Something wrong with you. Something happened to this person. 
Come on, right? You go to church too much. You know, that, that place, that must be an occult down there. What are you going to do, drink the Kool-Aid? I mean, what's going on, right? I mean, that, that's, that's what everyone starts saying to you. But the truth is, it's something inside of you. It's created a hunger in you, and you've got a new appetite. And you're craving it. Can I tell you, when I crave sushi, come someone say amen. When I crave sushi, I go looking for it. I find where them little fishes have swum up under that little thing and say, give me one of them fish. I want some. I want some of that. Put, that. put that fish on the rice and let me eat it. I look for it. When I want Chinese food, I look for it. I go find it. I'm hungry. I want some Chinese food. When I want a T-bone steak, someone say, come on, amen. When I want a T-bone steak, boy, I go looking for it. Can I tell you that when the grace of God comes into your life, there comes this hunger, this wonderful hunger for more and more of God. And you cannot seem to feel it. So you want more and you want more and you want more. And the evil world looks at you and says, you're crazy. But you say, oh. Oh, I just want some more. That's the grace of God. The grace of God instructs you and teaches you and develops an appetite for more of God and more of God. It's God creating new desires in you. And then finally, I just say this Titus is a minister of the gospel. He is a pupil of the Apostle Paul. And he is instructed to teach believers this truth about grace. I feel that, 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 that this instruction, verse 13 and 15. Can you go back to that verse? It's at the top, sis, 13 and 15. <clears throat> nope. Next one, maybe. I don't know where you're at. Nope. That, nope. Go up further. You're, go up further. All the way up to the top, very beginning. Titus 12, nope, nope, go up further. You're almost there. Go to the next one. You found it. Amen. Paul said you must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. Do them. That's my job. I am to encourage you to live a godly life. I am to encourage you to turn from sin the mandate on Titus passes down to me. I have the same mandate. And you have the authority to correct them when necessary. So don't let anyone disregard what you say. I hope you don't disregard what I'm saying to you today. I hope that you don't go down the road and find some other teacher down the road who says, no, you can go and live like the devil and still go to heaven. I can tell you right now, I would not want to meet God living like that. The Bible is plain and clear that the grace of God instructs my life, shapes my life, changes my life, and creates desires to please God and gives me a whole new appetite for the things of God. And so I need to live a life that is separated for the grace of God. Amen? He loved me first. I said, He loved me first. I love him because he first loved me. Do you love him? Yes. I said, do you love him? Yes. 
Because if you love him, then you're going to do everything you can to please him. Would you stand with me tonight? Father, thank you for your word tonight. And I ask God that you would just move in our altar service. Lord, there's so many struggles in our heart and life. And God, I didn't have time to talk about in detail about how patient and loving your grace is with our own personal struggles with sin. But God, I thank you for it. And I pray, God, that in this place, that we would come before you and lay down our life, a living sacrifice unto you. That we would not be conformed to this world, but we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. God, that we would let you give us the appetite that we need. That we would would let you change us and transform our life. God, help us to not take your grace for granted. But to honor it. And to express our love to you in faithful service to you. Help us, God, to do the good works and the good deeds that you are calling us to. Help us, Lord, to follow you with our whole heart. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tonight, Jesus said this, my house shall be called the house of prayer. I know it's a little later than normal. I preached a little longer than I normally do. Thank you for your your patience and, and listening to me a little longer. But tonight, Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. I'm asking you that you won't just leave. We've talked to each other. We've fellowship, but can we take a moment and fellowship with God? We need to spend some time with Him. I don't care if you pray at your seat, if you pray down here. If you are the type of person that says, stand and pray, then stand and pray. It's okay. Your posture and how you pray is not important, but taking a moment to just be with God is so important for you and I. Can we do that right now? Can we take a moment? Let's be alone with Jesus. Let's take